We have been um, thinking through this message in this series for a little while now. This is week four, and we've kind of like combined everything together to create some momentum. So we have the weekend services, which you're a part of. Good job. And we have the equip class that's happening in the back today. Um, we also have growth groups that have been happening. And then we have these pesky things called soul workouts. Um, some of you are doing these with us. Um, there's a lot of people that are signed up right now. Just to give you an overview, I want to um, just highlight these because if you want to get started, we said, you know what? Um, what if we were to do something daily for 52 days and, and how could we dig into our story and what God's speaking to us about? So this is a way to do that. If you text that number, um, change to that number, you'll start kind of getting a text every morning. It'll remind you to go to the website and go get that day's workout. They're kind of like a devotional, but they're a little bit more like on steroids a little bit. They're, they're, not, um, they're not always nice. And so I'm writing these and I'm also doing them. And so I want to share with you a little bit about um, what I've gotten out of it because these have kind of dug in a little bit um, to like, we're, we're committing to kind of going inside, into our heart, like what are, what, are, what are we feeling? What are we experiencing? And one of the days um, this past week is we had to write down what our fears were when it came to changing the world. Now, I don't know if you're doing the soul work, workouts or not, but I don't know, by, by a show of hands, um, either way, just tell me if one of your fears, when it comes to putting yourself out there, when it comes to like engaging with the world and making some difference happen, that fear of failure is at the top of your list. Just give me, give me that hand that's honest. Nobody, okay, there you go, there you go. Honesty starting to bubble up, right? And it's, it was great. I wrote down a few other fears and, and, and I got through that. And then there came the next round. And the next round said, Think about your fears, and why exactly are you afraid of them? And as I went through my fears, I realized, you know what? I made them all up. Like, they're all in my head. They're all things that I've concocted around it. And I realized, especially this, over the past few years, I have taken a new approach to failure. Maybe this will help somebody out today. I have always looked for the last few years, I've looked at failure as an opportunity to learn, as an opportunity to get better. And here I am, I list failure at the top of my list. I'm like, really, Joe? And, and so it's kind of weird to like write them and then do them, but it's cool. So I, as I'm going through that, I'm like, man, I need to like re-engage that part of me that says, you know what, failure is just an opportunity to learn. And, and I think failure doesn't even have a place for me because, man, as we learn through trying new things and that's one thing about this place you'll know many of you have crazy ideas and we we say yeah let's try that let's see what we learn let's see what we can do for God through that process and it's been so good to do that with you so this has been our series this is where we're at jump in on it you can start this um, anytime you want if you want to dive in now but here's what I want to do I think that this message and everything is going to kind of unlock that first song and it's all working together beautifully but I want to ask you a question and then tell you a story. My question is this. Have you ever, like, put a plan together that actually, it wasn't perfect, but it, it actually, like, worked out really, really well? Have you ever had that happen? Where if nobody's had, if you haven't ever had that happen, I feel for you. Because you got to have a win once in a while, right? But I had this happen to me one time. And um, it has to do with the Chicago Bulls. 
who are not doing well right now. I'm a fan, but they're just struggling a little bit. So here's what happens, right? I get an opportunity to go to a Bulls game when Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, they're all throwing down winning rings, you know? It was awesome. And you may not know this, but I was a photography minor in college. And so I got to go to the Bulls game, and I got to go with a press pass, which means that I, the, the guy that got us the tickets, he's like, bring your highfalutin camera. Now, I'm old, so that was back in the days when you actually had to pay, like, a lot of money. A lot, they're still expensive, but I had to have a camera that you put film into it, and you had to, like, kind of create a plan. So I, I knew that I was going to be able to be in the room. And, then, and I said, so does this mean that I get to sit on the court where the other photographers are, like right there under the basket? He's like, yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. Like, and I'm like, yes. He's like, bring all like the long lens and everything so you'll look like you're supposed to be there, Joe. I'm like, all right. So we go, and I get all this planning done, and I'm ready. I've got my camera equipment. I've got the high-speed film. I, like high-speed film. Does anybody know what that means? That means when it's not going to be super bright outside, you need the high-speed film. And so I got that. I'm ready to go. We get to the, to the Bulls game. It's pregame. The, the, they're getting ready to start the, you know, the that part. And so I'm getting ready. And so we find a spot under the basket. So Drew is with us. And so Drew and I go, and we, we sit down under the basket. And then this guy comes over to us, and he's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if he, I think he sleeps at the gym and all the time is just working out in his sleep because he's just huge. And he's like, you guys, get off the court. And we're like, whoa, dude. He's like, that's where the lovables sit. That's the cheerleaders for the Bulls, all right? So we were sitting where the cheerleaders were supposed to be, didn't know what we were doing. And so we get kicked out, and we get kicked out to the press box, which is like way up in the nosebleeders. And the, now the court is like this big. And here I am, I've got all this camera equipment, I'm ready to go, I was there. And then I got booted. And I'm like, this is brutal. So I, I'm, I'm watching, like I'm still planning, all right? I'm still not giving up, but I'm kind of like dejected and pretty discouraged. So I, I start watching what's happening. And, and interestingly enough, you may not notice if you haven't been to a game, but whenever there's a timeout or a commercial break, complete chaos happens on the court. The Jesse White tumblers start jumping around, and all of a sudden it's like people are running around, and the low bulls are jumping around. Blah, blah, blah. Everything is insanity, right? And then they all run off, and then the cameras start up, for the, and then they're all gone. And I'm watching this during the first quarter. I'm watching this during the second quarter. And at, towards the end of the second quarter, I turned to the guys that I was with, and I was like, listen, I'm going back down there during halftime because it's going to be chaos. I'm going to go sit down next to those cats over there on the other side by those photographers right there. And I want you to watch me because if I get kicked out, just know I'll meet you at the car. Because the guy said he's out. We were, if we get caught back down there, we're getting kicked out of the room. I'm like, they're like, okay, fine. And they're kind of laughing. So here I go, go down the elevator, go to the, to the court. Everything's chaos. I go over to the basket, sit down to none of the basket next to this photographer, probably from the Chicago Tribune or something. And I was like, How's it going? He's like, what's up? I'm like, not much. And I just stayed there the whole second half. And I took pictures like a crazy man. And Dennis Rodman almost killed me with his foot, like size 70. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's getting a rebound. I'm underneath the basket. It was amazing. 
I, I was digging for pictures, um, but I didn't have the, the, I didn't know exactly where they were. So I promise you next week I will bring one or two that I, that I took and maybe even post one online this week. But it was amazing. It wasn't perfect, right? It wasn't perfect, but it was awesome. Like I put that plan together. It didn't quite go right, but I didn't give up. And, and here's what I want us to think about. I want us to think about a few things because I had to, I had to change my thinking around my situation. I, first of all, when I got the, the press pass, I had to quit thinking that I, wasn't, I didn't have the right equipment, that I didn't have the right film, that I didn't have the right um, qualifications to go to that game and to sit under the basket and to take photos like a photographer. I had to quit thinking that I wasn't qualified. I had to quit thinking that, man, I'm going to get kicked out. I better not go back there. I should stay up here in the nosebleeders and just watch from afar. I had to quit a lot of things in my mind. And what did that do? That opened up a world to me that allowed me to capture some of the coolest shots that I ever took that I'll never be able to probably take ever again. And, and I want you to think about this idea because Nehemiah, Nehemiah, he had a plan. It wasn't perfect, but as we see today, what we find is that he had a plan and he had to quit some things too. And so we're going to be in chapter 2 of Nehemiah and we're going to dive in at the verse that we left off with last week, which is verse 6, and we're going to read through verse 9. Now, before we read, let me catch you up. So right before this happens, the king asks Nehemiah, Nehemiah says, hey, I'm, I'm sad, i got a lot going on. The king says, what do you want? And he says, I want to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the big idea from last week is what did we find out? We found out that when Nehemiah, he, when he imagined a remedy for the misery in his heart, he found a better story. He found a better story. So whatever story you're buying into now, what I'm here to tell you today is that God has a better story for you than what's in your mind. And Nehemiah opened himself up to that, and he said, you know what? I imagine the walls of Jerusalem being rebuilt. And when he imagined that, that remedy for that misery, he found a better story. And so he says very clearly, I want to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then in verse 6 is where we pick it up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and Spirit of God, you are our teacher, and we are the student. We absolutely don't know what we're doing. We need your help. We need you to speak into our hearts. And so, God, all the stuff that we walked in with, man, so much, so much stuff. Lord, we lay it at your feet, and we say, God, it's yours. And we just ask you to now allow us to open our minds and our hearts to what it is that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. So verse 6, it says this. After Nehemiah says, I want to rebuild the walls. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will, will your journey take, and when will, you be, when, you, when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, and so I set a time. I also said to him, catch this, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And, and get this, may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, by the temple, and for the city wall, and get this, and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. 
And so I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, and I gave them the king's letters. And this happened too, catch this. The king also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Now, I don't know about you, but would you have the guts to throw down with the king like that? I mean, he's like, listen, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to ask for everything. I'm going to ask for safety to get there. Then I'm going to ask you to actually fund my project. I want timber for days. I want you to not only fund the building of the walls and the temple, but check it out. I want you to fund me with the timber for my house. And throw in some cavalry while you're at it. He just says, you know what? I am going for it all. I don't know if you guys have ever had somebody pay for your moving expenses in a job, but this is a whole nother level. I mean, he's saying, pay for the project, pay for my way, and also pay for my house. This is crazy. And what do we learn in in this passage? We see a few things. In verse 5, which I read just earlier, we, we see him say that I want to go back to my land of my fathers so that I can rebuild the wall. He's very specific in his mission. He's very specific in what it is that he wants to do. This is something that we're working through online and offline, is that what is God stirring in your heart? We need to define the mission clearly. Some of us are in like just a very few baby step stages of doing that. Some of us have been really working through this for maybe half of our lifetime. But that's really, really key is to understand that we need, as a leader, if we're going to change the world, we need to define the mission clearly. Nehemiah could not walk into the king and be like, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem, check it out, see what's going on. He didn't say that. He said, I want this, 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 and this. Very specific. Um, And so he he defines that mission. And then really what I want to focus on is that he clearly defines the plan. He plans very carefully. I mean, if you look at these verses, you look at verse 6, as he, the, then the king with the queen sitting beside him says, how long is it going to take? He says, you know what? It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time, and here's the time. And so he set a time. He, he didn't say, I don't know when I'm going to be back. He was clear about his planning. Look at verse 7. Verse 7, it says, you know, I want these letters to provide me safe conduct. It, you can't find in the word where Nehemiah decided, you know what I'm going to do? I need to check my plan with a bunch of other people and see if I'm on the right track. He actually just decides that he's going in there, and he doesn't pull this out of his back pocket and say, by the way, maybe I could get some letters. He knew that he was going to ask for these because he knew that that was part of the plan that he had to put together. He was planning ahead of time to be able to go change the world and to accomplish his mission. Look at verse 7, and verse 8, sorry. Um, you, you keep going. He says, I want this timber. I need, to, I, I need to have this timber. He knows that he needs safe passage, but he's planning ahead, and he says, I need timber, and I need a lot of it. So I need, like, the top guy to have, like, a green light to give me timber forever. Like, just keep sending it. And so he, he figures that out. Next verse. It's, it, he also sends the, the king. I mean, I don't know. I mean, at this point, the king has probably got maybe a motive or two. He probably is thinking that maybe if I, I get these guys to rebuild their walls, maybe they'll like me and they won't uprise and all that. I, mean, I don't know what he's thinking, but he sends these officers in Calvary as well. This is just crazy that this happens. And it's all because Nehemiah took the time to define the mission and to plan carefully. 
Are we getting that? Awesome. Here's the thing, though. I think the focus of today is what unlocks his ability to really define the mission and to plan carefully. And here's what I mean by that. Nehemiah had to make a choice in his mind about something. He needed, before he went to the king, he had to have his mental game on. He needed to be ready to go. And what I mean by that is this. He needed to at least mentally be prepared that he was going to quit his job as the cupbearer to the king. He needed to be ready to quit his job with the king. He's just sipping poison for the king as an exile. He's not like the top guy, but he needed to be ready that he's not only going to quit on the king, he knows when he's supposed to come back. He does, we don't have any record, I don't think, of Nehemiah ever coming back. But what we know is he had to quit in order to go to Jerusalem. But he had to quit a few other things, too, when he was thinking about it, right? He had to quit accepting his identity as an exile. He had to quit thinking of himself as this has been, this person that's been cast off, this person that's been removed from his people, and now your identity is that you are a misfit. You don't belong here. He needed to reject that identity and believe something different. He, he needed to quit um, looking for the approval of everybody else. We don't see him checking in with anybody. We don't see him, you know, ratifying it by a vote. He just decides to plan, and he goes in there, and he makes it happen. He had to quit relying on what other people were saying to validate what he was doing. I think one of the biggest things he had to quit was he had to quit believing that God had abandoned him. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. He has been removed a thousand miles away from his homeland. He has been removed from his family, his friends, where he, where, the city of God. And this is where he is. He's a thousand miles away. And he easily, easily could have said, God, where are you? And he could have shook his fist at God and said, God, why is this my story? But he imagined a remedy for his misery, and he found a better story. And he had to quit believing that God had abandoned him. And instead, what did we find out over the last couple weeks? He would pray to God. He would engage with God, and he would ask God for his favor. This is the deal. Nehemiah had to quit on the king in order to get to Jerusalem. He had to quit what he was doing in order to get there. He could not stay in the king's palace and lead the project in Jerusalem. Is that fair? Yeah, he can't do both. There's absolutely no way to do it. And so when we think about this, this is the phrase. You have to quit something to start something. You have to quit. This is, I, I love when this happens. Um, it, it just kind of comes out this way. But it's not like, um, you know, you, you could quit something 
to start something. What I'm saying is like when you're wanting to change the world, you've got to quit something to start something. I wonder what's going through your mind right now about what you might need to quit. Because Nehemiah did some work and he thought about it a lot and he knew that he was going to he was going to go for it all. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go all in with God. About five years ago, five and a half years ago, some of you know my story, but practically speaking, I basically quit my job to do this. And there was a lot of planning around that, but a lot of like, I don't know what's going to happen. And we did a lot of preparation, and we did a lot of planning, but at some point, I had to step away from what I was doing order to go all in here. I think some of the things as you're thinking about, man, what if I, if I quit that thing? Oh my goodness. Some of the questions that rise up is like this. Is it going to be worth it? Is it going to be worth quitting what it is that maybe I've been trying to achieve or something that really makes me feel good or something that, you know, it is something that I feel like I've put a lot of time into? Let me tell you this. Um, if you, maybe you would ask me, Hey, Joe, you quit your job five and a half years ago. Was it worth it? I've thought about my answer. Can I be honest with you? I don't know yet. Is that fair? I don't know yet. And the reason why I don't know yet is because the vision that I have in my head about where this thing is going, I haven't seen it all yet. I hope that one day that I'll be able to tell you 1,000% it was worth it. But I, can, I, can, I just, can I just be in process with you guys? Can I be on the journey? Is it, is it okay? Is it, are we safe enough here? That I can say, I don't know if it was worth it. And, and maybe if we got into hanging out over a, a burger or coffee or something, which I don't drink coffee, um, I, I would tell you why and all the things that I had to walk away from and I had to quit in order to do what I'm doing today. And that's why I don't know yet because of I, I walked away from a lot. But here's what's amazing. You're going to have to decide, even if I don't know if it's going to be worth it, am I willing to follow the stirring in God, in, in my heart that God has put there? Am I willing to step out and to say, you know what? Yeah, I don't know. I've got kind of the plan. I kind of have the idea. I kind of trying to define the mission, trying to plan. I don't know exactly how it's going to go. It's, I don't know if I'm going to get kicked off the court and told I don't belong or if I'm going to be able to get back on the court. I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to quit what I'm doing in order to start something. We clear on that point? <laughs> clear? Are we clear? You know, for instance... Um, we have a lot of great volunteers here. We really do. Um, there's people working behind the scenes. You know, our first impressions team, Donna and Carrie and all of them. They're awesome. Appreciate them. They're in the room, so appreciate you, girl. Just one of our rock-solid volunteers. And there's, there's folks that are volunteering back in the kids' rooms right now, clubhouse and the, the park, and they're doing an awesome job. They're doing an awesome job. 
the only, the only catch is, like, I can't tell them that I really appreciate them because I'm talking to you, right? There's no way, unless I yell, maybe, but my voice, you know. I, I, there's no way for me to keep talking here and still go back and tell those kids that they're awesome and tell those children's workers that they're awesome as well. You know what I mean? I can't stay here and go there, so I quit. All right, well, don't pay attention to that guy. Just let him go do his thing, um, and let's just talk, all right? Because what I think he was trying to say is that we all need to quit something in order to start something. If he didn't get that across, I'm getting it across right now. We all need to quit something in order to start something. So let me give you some examples, some ideas in no particular order. Number one, you need to quit watching Hallmark. Sorry, honey. Quit thinking that you don't have what it takes. God has equipped you for such a time as this. Quit pretending like everything's okay. Denial is not a river in Egypt. Quit assuming that your lifestyle is fine. Listen, there's always room for us to align ourselves and our lives with what God desires for it to look like. Quit manipulating to get your way. Get transparent with people around you so they better understand you and your goals and your heart's desire. Quit thinking that you don't have enough. Move your mindset from scarcity to enough. Quit acting like your past never happened. Everything, everything has happened to you. All the good, all the bad has brought you together to this point and it all has prepared you for this moment. Quit hoarding what you have. God blessed you with it, so bless others with it. Quit sitting in the back. What we do in this room, it models to our kids and the next generation about what's important. Quit being so busy. Quit finding excuses for not jumping in. Quit saying that God has forgotten about you. Read your Bible. That's not in there. Quit shoving the pain from the past down so you don't feel it anymore. Go back into it and, and let God heal it. Quit thinking that you cannot give. You can give from your heart, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Quit a bad habit. It's called a bad habit for a reason. Quit not trying. It's called Pilgrim's Progress, not Pilgrim's Paralysis. Quit justifying your actions. Stop using your personality and your Enneagram number as a weapon. Quit accepting the status quo. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit being lazy. Quit questioning everyone's motive. Quit trusting people who hurt you. Quit letting depression overwhelm you. Quit letting fear control you. Quit looking for approval from everybody else. Quit thinking that you are stuck. Quit letting anxiety wreak havoc in your life. Quit your job. Now, hold on a second. Let's not rush out of this one. I think that there's actually some people that, that could, need, could have the, the need to look at this and say, you know what? I might need to actually quit my actual job 
it's toxic. It's not helpful. It's not, um, it's not helping me. And, and I know that I need to quit my, my job. Do we do this flippantly? No. Do we do this without talking to people, without um, developing an understanding around what, what could happen and, and how it could happen and, and how we're going to survive? I mean, there, there's, there's some of that that has to happen. We don't make this decision flippantly. But there's some of us that, that may need to actually quit our job. And, and it's not to say that there's going to be a perfect plan that's set before you when you do this. It's just to say that there needs to be some thought put to it, right? And so some of us are going to take a leap of faith and we're going to see God move and we're going to see that happen. Um, but that's the kind of the first grouping of people. There may be some folks in the room that need to quit their actual job. But all of us definitely can can realign and change our mindset around our job and to understand that in God's perfect plan, like in his economy, that there are no mistakes. So that means that your job, we need to reset our mind to say that our job isn't our job. It's actually our current assignment on our bigger mission. If we can all begin to look at our jobs as our current assignment in our bigger mission, I believe that God is going to really unawaken us to something amazing that we can actually do something right there. And he'll use that position, that role, to change the world around us. So that's something that all of us can do is to quit our job, is to quit thinking of it as a job, but more as an assi- current assignment for our bigger mission. Quit listening to me. <laughs> I think it's time. I think it's time for you to begin to listen to what God has for you and what he wants you to quit. I think in the next few minutes as the band is preparing and as we sing these next few songs, I think we can be asking God to kind of lock in. What is it that we need to quit? Who is it that can help us stay quit? Who is it that can help us stay quit? And how will you quit? And, and maybe understand why you're going to quit whatever it is that you're going to quit this week. And, and over this, this time, these next few minutes, my hope is that you commit to quit, but you also kind of identify that thing and make a commitment today to, to saying no more on that. Nehemiah could not go to Jerusalem and stay with the king. He had to quit in order to get to Jerusalem. And so you can't quit everything, but you can quit something. What are we learning? We're learning this. We're learning that we've got to quit something in order to start something. Quitting something is your first step to changing something. I think that if we all were to take this to heart and we were all to begin to edit out of our lives the things that we know we don't need, the things that we know that we need to stop, we need to quit, and we can begin to start some things in our life that's really going to to begin to pour fuel on the fire of our mission that's inside us, I believe that we'll begin to see our families change. We'll begin to see ourselves change. Because we're going to begin to unlock something that's deep within us that we've always wanted to do anyway. And then we're going to see those around us change. Our friends, our family, our spouse, our kids. And then we're going to begin to see this church change. Because we're going to start to see that there's a a mission that we all are a part of. And that we all have a, a beautiful part to play in it.
And then as we begin to move in that, we're going to see our world change. No, are we going to see it happen all overnight? Absolutely not. Are we going to see something huge happen in the next day or two? Maybe not. But here's what we do know is that little steps is what creates big change. So my, my, my desire for you today um, over the next few songs is to make a commitment to God about that to sing to him, to, to remind ourselves as to the fact that he is everything to us and the reason why we're here and the reason why we can quit is because we have him with us and all we really need is him. We really just want to see heaven come to earth and our desire is for that. So, so as we sing, let's, let's do that. And then this week, let's just, let's just do the work to quit something in order to start something. Worship, man. (laughs) So as I was listening to Joe talk and listening to the video and just thinking about how I responded personally to it, um, and there are a couple things that I personally need to quit, and one of them is hiding, which is terrifying because I really like to do that and I'm really good at it. (laughs) Um, But I also need to stop being afraid. Um, And like my whole life, I've told myself and other people have validated that I'm not good enough. Like, oh, someone else can talk. Someone else can say those things. Someone else can play music or be in the crowd. Like anybody else can do that. And if some of you resonate with that, like, I've been there, and I still fight it every day. (laughs) Um, But there is grace, and there is love. And what we just sang, like, boldly I approach. I feel like some of us need to be bold. Some of us need to have courage today. And that's what I pray over us, that, God, you give us the courage, you give us the power, you give us the boldness to get close to you, to quit something that we think or know that we should, but we're scared. So God, I just pray for that courage, that boldness, that we are able to take a hold of those things that we should quit, to be honest with ourselves and to recognize what they are, and then to be bold and to take those steps to be able to quit those. In second place, as you go throughout your week, as you go throughout the rest of your day, I just pray that you feel so loved because you are. We love you dearly. Um, I pray that you keep yourself accountable. Find somebody that will help you quit whatever it is that you need to. Be bold, guys. We love you. Have a great week.